Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. open your Bible to these two places. We'll be in other, other parts of the Bible as well. Um, I'm glad the kids are in here today. I'm going to, I'll try to uh, make sure that I talk to you guys too, because y'all are so important. Y'all know that? You guys are so important, not just because you're our kids and you're the best and we love you, but you're important to God too and his kingdom. And so we're glad that all of you love Jesus. I mean, why don't you look at the kids close to you and just tell them, I'm glad that you love Jesus. <laughs> that's the truth. All of these kids, you love Jesus. It's on your faces. It's on your faces during worship. It's on your faces when you play. You love Jesus. That's the most important thing. So we're so thankful that you guys love Jesus. That's the biggest thing we could ever ask for as parents. Amen. And so the, the last few weeks, few months, we've been digging into um, putting Jesus as the Lord of our life and creating a space for him, room for him, a dwelling place. And last week we talked from Haggai where he's saying, you've got paneled houses, but you haven't built a place for me to dwell. And you're earning and you're drinking and you're eating and you're not satisfied and you wonder why. It's because you haven't put me in my rightful place. Amen? He even goes through it. You, you're, you eat the best foods and you're still hungry after you eat it or you're not satisfied. You drink the best drinks and you're not satisfied. Um, and you wear the finest clothing, but you're still cold. And that's mirroring Matthew 6 when Jesus is teaching them. He says, don't go after what you eat or what you drink or what you'll wear. That's what unbelievers chase after. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the worries and cares that you had will be added to you. He'll take care of it. And so we're learning to drink from the well of Jesus, the well of God, because it's the only well that can really satisfy him. And as a church, like there's, there's been this like change this last year. It was a really good shift in our perspective. And we begin to remember our, our roots, um, the beginning where we were called to be a dwelling place for God. I mean, the, the original name of this church was Tabernacle, which means the dwelling place of God. And I want to be a tabernacle. I want to be a dwelling place for God. Um, and so we've been talking more about that. And we've learned that it requires surrender. I'm just a quick intro. It requires surrender, right? It requires sensitivity to him. It requires obedience. Amen? The Lord is looking for a place to dwell, to abide. Everyone say abide. Like John 15, if you abide in me and, and my words abide in you, come on, you'll have whatever you ask for. And the Father will prune you and you'll be fruitful. It's this beautiful language that the Lord wants from us. And... Um, last week we saw how there's this pattern. Walk with me for a minute, all right? So in the Bible, God chooses a people from a man named Abram. And he says, from your seed, Abram, I'm gonna bless all of the nations of the earth through you. And you're gonna have a, an heir that's gonna be from God. It's gonna be a miracle. And through that heir, through his seed, through your seed, I'm gonna bless all the nations of the earth. And so Abraham he becomes Abraham when he has Isaac, who is his son. And Isaac has a son named Jacob. And Jacob was a deceiver. He was a liar. He was a cheater. He was a hustler, right? He always had a side hustle going on somewhere, right? And one day he was tired. Everyone hated him. 
His own brother wanted to kill him because he stole his brother's inheritance. And he, and he, and he uh, betrayed and, and uh, conned his own father-in-law out of lots of animals. Read it. And everywhere Jacob went, he was hurting people because he was seeking after his own thing. And then one day, this is around in Genesis 33, somewhere in there, the Bible says that Jacob had enough and he sent his family across a river. I think it was the Jabbok River, sent them across and he was all alone. And the angel of the Lord came down and what did Jacob do? He wrestled. Why did he wrestle with the angel? He wasn't wrestling for blessing or more animals or more inheritance. He was wrestling because he wanted to be changed. And so God says, okay, hits him on the hip where he walks with a limp the rest of his life. And he says, you will no longer be called Jacob, but you will be called Israel because you have wrestled, you have prevailed with God and you've won. <laughs> so Abraham's promise, the promise to Abram, you will have an heir and it, this will become a great nation. I will be their God and they will be my people. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through this seed is Israel, the grandson from Abraham. And then you see this history of Israel. They would walk with God and then they would drift from God. Then they would run from God. Then they would worship other idols. Then they would be in worse trouble than they've ever been in their life. And they would cry out to God for someone to rescue them. And God would come and rescue them. And they would go through this cycle. It's all through the Old Testament. <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so I, I want to talk to you today about why I think that happens. See, in the biblical days, the law was an external thing. It was... Now, God invited all of Israel to go up on the mountain with him to hear his laws, but only one person went. It was, who was it? Anyone remember? Moses. Moses went up on the mountain and talked face to face with God, and God told Moses his ways and his laws. And so Moses chiseled them in stone so that all the people could hear from God what his laws were. But do you know what God's original plan was? It was that everyone would stand face to face with him and that he would write his law on our heart. But man chose for an external representation of the law. And I think that's why the cycle is created with Israel because the inner voice was always more powerful than the external voice. Israel would follow the inner voice of their passions and desires and they would pursue them. And then they would be required to be told by a prophet what the word of the Lord says to them. So I want you to picture this. They're doing the thing they think they should do, and it's their own passions leading them to do it. And God has to show up through a prophet and say, wait a second, you're going way the wrong direction. You need to turn and come back to this place. And they would hear this external correction from a prophet and they would hear it and they would obey it, but then they would lose the voice of that prophet or the word of the Lord because it was from some external source. It wasn't within them and their inner voice would take over again. <clears throat> 
James 1 talks about this. So you, you can look there if you want to. I didn't put it on here. I added this later. <clears throat> but in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he's saying, you know, God doesn't, God doesn't tempt us. Like for, for anyone, he says, if you say God tempts you, you're lying. Because God can't be tempted, therefore he doesn't tempt. Because he only acts in accordance to his nature. So if God can't be tempted by sin, then he doesn't use sin to tempt people. So James tells us what's going on. And he says this in verse 14 and 15, James 1. Each one is tempted when he is drawn away. Everyone say drawn. When they're drawn away by his own, whose desires? His own, the internal voice, his own desires and enticed by them. That means, ooh, that sounds good. That sounds like a good plan. I'm going to do that. I don't care what the, I can't even see the consequences because this just sounds good. This is too good. And I'm enticed by it. Then he says, when desire, when that desire that has enticed us has conceived, it gives birth to something, right? And that something it gives birth to is an action called sin, And when sin is full grown, uh uh-oh, it brings death. So I'm, I'm using the people of Israel, the people of God, so that we see ourselves in them. If we look at Israel and don't see ourselves in them, we're looking at it wrong. They are a representation of God's people. And we do the same things. I cannot tell you how many times I've allowed that inner voice to draw me away to entice me, to give birth to sin. And then sin leads to destruction, death in my life. So Israel did this. And so what, what <laughs> God will send a word and we will repent. How many have done this? Like, oh man, yeah, you're right. I need to repent. And all of a sudden you're aware of how stupid what I was doing was. How long does that usually last? This is why we used to, we, we'd laugh about, you know, youth camp and kids camp. Like you go off to youth camp and kids camp and you'd get fired up for the Lord and that lasts about a month. And then you'd have to do something else to fire everyone back up for the Lord because the law wasn't written on hearts. Let me say it this way. It's a good thing whenever we hear an external prophetic call to repentance. It's really good. It's the grace of God sending his voice to us. And he'll talk to us any way we'll listen. And so it's good when we have these external calls to repentance. And when we respond to them, it's a good thing. But what we need to do when we respond is to say, okay, Lord, I need your voice inside of me. (laughs) Because if not, my inner voice that tells me, oh, I want ice cream. Oh, I want to watch Netflix. Oh, I want to do this thing. Oh, I, and I'm not saying these things in themselves are evil. What I'm saying is I am more aware of what I want and need than I should be. That's why we fast. You hear a lot more about that coming up because we're fasting to break off the addiction of our inner passions and voices. Because the thing that causes us to walk away from God is not anything out here. 
It's not, oh, I'm hanging around people that are doing the wrong thing. Look, if you hang around people that are doing the wrong thing, it will only feed the wrong thing in me. But they can't make me act out. I am only tempted to walk and drift from God when I'm enticed by my own passions. It's mine. It's no one else's fault. I can't blame it. Oh, America just isn't a Christian nation anymore. Or we have the wrong president. Or blah, blah, blah. No, I, I am personally responsible for the, how close I am to the Lord. It's me. I am personally responsible to hear his voice. Amen. You guys okay? See, the voice of the flesh is dominant if we don't kill it. When a man would follow the inner voice of the flesh, the Old Testament writers called it iniquity. And they called it lawlessness. Do you know what the Antichrist, one of his real names is? The man of lawlessness. What does that mean? The law of God is not present on the heart. So in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, you would see this pattern of Israel drift and become lawless because there was no tether in their heart to the law of God. You guys still good? In Deuteronomy 6, when they're giving the law and they're telling them what to do with this law, how to take care of it, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9 it says, and these words, which I command you today shall be in your heart. That was the goal. They should be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk about them when you sit in your houses. Hello. When you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up, he's saying you should talk about the law of God because it's got to get into you. And the more you talk about it, it'll get into you. You shall, then they would do this. They would bind it around their hands. They would wear these tassels and things around their hands to remind them of the laws of God. They would look down like some of us wear bracelets, you know, like, you know, true love weights or, or, you know, to pray to end abortion, life bracelets. And we would look down, it would remind us. That's what they did. Oh, remember the law of God, to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, to love your neighbor as yourself, to not have any other gods. They would look and remember. And then he says, and then, Put it on your forehead <clears throat> where, where these symbols, these, these uh, accessories on your, on your outfits that would remind you of the law of God <sighs> so that you see it all the time. And then he said, you should write them on the doorposts of your house and on the gates around your property so that whenever you go out and when you come in, you remember the law of God. It's like a, it's the, it's the old fashioned way of putting a sticky note on your mirror in the morning. Remember the Lord, remember his laws. They would meditate on it. They would talk about it. They would do all this stuff and still because of the timing that they were in, it didn't fully saturate their hearts. Why? Because they had no indwelling or infilling of the Holy Spirit. You guys all right? They did not have the presence of the living God actually living inside of them, dwelling there. So his presence, you see it all through the Old Testament. 
His presence would come upon someone and they would do this amazing, they would be anointed to do a mighty thing like Samson would find out whatever's on the ground. Oh, a donkey, a dead donkey's jawbone. He would pick it up and kill, I don't know, a thousand people or 300 people with a, a donkey's jawbone. The presence of the Lord would come upon David and he would kill Goliath. But then the thing is, the presence would leave them. The Holy Spirit would rest on them for a moment to do a task and then he would lift and leave. He never fully indwelled them. And that's why what you see happen at Jesus' baptism is so important for us to pay attention to. In John chapter one, now if you'll look in Luke and if you'll look in Matthew and I think in Mark's uh, versions of this, when this says the, the, the heavens opened, a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, I am so pleased with him. And then the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended in the form of a dove and it sat up on him. Now watch what it says in John. Now John would know, he's the one that baptized Jesus. He would know exactly what happened. And so in John's telling of this, it's in John 1 verse 31, verses 34. I want you to listen to this. This is really cool. There's some, some things in here that I, I could take a rabbit trail, but I'm not, but I want you to see them when we, go, when we hit them. John, this is John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, who turned in his mother's belly when, when, when Mary came into his presence. So he knew, he recognized the anointing, right? Here's what he says. I did not know him. He's talking about Jesus. He's saying, I didn't know he was the Messiah. But I knew that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. So he got a prophetic word like Simeon did. Remember Simeon, he waited at the temple till he saw Jesus. John the Baptist got a similar thing. Like, why did he choose to be a baptizer? Because God gave him a word that that's what he was going to be doing. Hello? <laughs> you'll see it here. I'll reference it now so you'll see it as we get to it. Like, you're going to baptize with water, but one coming after you is going to baptize with fire. So John knew, oh, I'm called to be a baptizer. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to go do it because if I do this, I will see him. And John bore witness saying, and I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove. Come on. <clears throat> and what does it say? And he remained upon him. You see that in your Bible? John 1, verse 31 through 34. He remained. That word remained means he abode. He found a dwelling place. Woo! And John again says, I did not know him, but I knew he who sent me to but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. All right, you see this. Jesus has an encounter that no one has ever had in the history of humanity. The Holy Spirit came and sat upon him and built a house. And that's what we're called to, all right? Because God always wanted to write his law on our hearts. And the best way to do that is to just live there. Are y'all okay? Like, we, I want us to get this. Like, I, our church is shifting quickly, 
more quickly in ways you can't see yet, but quickly. And the days where we, the days are coming where we are unable to do church the way we've always done it because his presence shows up. Like they're coming because we're asking for them. And that's what we want. God always wanted to write his law on our hearts. He always wanted to be the inner voice stronger than our flesh voice so that he could lead us and guide us into all truth. In Jeremiah 31, you can read this if you've opened there. Jeremiah 31, verses 33 through 34. Jeremiah 31, 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. Come on. And I will write it on their hearts and they will, and I will be their God and they will be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man, his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me. How? Cause he's inside. Do you understand what he's saying there right now? The only way people know God is for a, a prophet to tell them to know God, but you're not going to have to do that in the future. It doesn't mean the prophetic goes away. It just means that every person is going to have direct access to God and they're going to hear him for themselves. This is so good. And it says, and I will forgive their lawlessness and I will not remember their sin anymore. Amen to that. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Exact same verse. The writer of Hebrews is quoting Jeremiah and he says, Hebrews 10 verse 15, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put law, I will put my law into their hearts and in their minds, I will write the laws. And then he said, and their sins and their law, and we'll say lawless, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will not remember anymore. A lot of teaching to get to this point. <clears throat> God wants his voice to be preeminent inside of us. To guide us in our decision making. To guide us in, in what we pursue. What we what we pursue with our time, talent, our treasure. We don't go after things that will leave us still hungry, still thirsty, still naked, put money in bags with holes in it. He doesn't want us to continue to pursue after those things, but he wants us to seek first his kingdom. And his solution to that is that the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son would come and live inside of us and that they would write their law on our hearts, that we would know God that his voice would be preeminent, greater than even our own voice. That his voice would rise up from within us and his voice would entice us. Are y'all okay? Romans 10 verse eight. 
Write this one down. Don't forget this. Romans 10, verse 8. But what does the, the word say? The word is near you. Come on. Everyone say this with me. The word is near me. It's in my mouth. It's in my heart. In Isaiah, in Ezekiel, in Jeremiah, in these prophets, God would say things like, I will cure you of your backsliding. And his answer and his cure for this was to put himself inside of our hearts, to dwell inside of us, that we would pursue him, that we would be a people that belong to him, that we would be his people and that he would be our God. I know I'm all too familiar with my own voice. I'm all too easily led by what I want or what I think is a good idea. I want to lay all of that at an altar today and burn it all up. Amen? <clears throat> that we would care for and tend to the temple of the Holy Spirit where God has chosen to dwell. Colossians, or 1 Corinthians 6 says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He is in you? <laughs> Come on. And you are not your own? Hello, everyone listen to me. We are not our own. <laughs> Can I paint a, a future picture here? What if one day in the future, all of you are the leaders and you're not, just sitting in the seats and you are leading people that we don't see in the room right now. What if you are anointed with, by God with gifts and with his presence upon your life to where now you have taken people and you're showing them how to have his law written on their hearts? What if you're the ones doing it? What if you represent 10 people? What if you become the leadership of the church and the church is people we don't see in the room right now? How does that happen? We do this. We get this. We put him at the center. We have him come live inside of us. We become more aware of his voice than our needs and our wants. Amen? You guys okay? We're going to keep digging on this, this, this topic, this idea. It's not a sermon series. It's, not a, an, it's, it's our identity is what we're called to as a house. And I've even been like writing stuff like worship's going to look different. Our altar times are going to look different. The preaching of the word, the way we come in and exit the building's going to look different as this begins to happen. The presence of God is going to show up. And we're going to show up thinking we have a service order or know what's going to happen or what we're supposed to do. And God's just going to come into the middle of it and be like, we're going this way. And everyone's going to be like, yeah, that's a better way to go. Okay. Anyone else feel the same as I feel a few of you? It just takes a few. 
I don't, I don't want to, how many have ever been bowling? Anyone? How many, how many have ever been bowling with children? Like, they have this really cool thing they can do for children and horrible bowlers. They put bumpers out there. So make sure you're going to knock something over. And if you don't, then you're just really the worst ever. You shouldn't bowl. Like, it's really difficult to not just ping it down there. It's going to hit something. <laughs> I feel was it? <laughs> I feel like we've been living like that too much. And like the Lord's just saying, grow up. We're taking the, the bumpers off. Like, my, I want you to hear my voice. My sheep know my voice, and they won't follow another, not even their own. Hello? Oh, I'm going to say that one again. My sheep know my voice, and they won't follow another, even their own. I can't trust myself. And don't, don't take this in a negative place, but it's true. I can't trust my flesh. I can't. I will lie to me and say what I want to hear. Or what I think I should hear. We were watching uh, one of these crazy documentaries and someone's trying to psycho babble them way through it. Like, and I'm like, just shut up. You're lying. You don't even believe what you're saying. But it just sounds all fruity. And the, what's the Bible say? When words are many, sin is present. And you're like, you're talking way too much to try to fool it. And you're looking to see if we believe you through your fake tears. Like, and we do that to ourselves. We sit there on the couch we're like, well, I was mistreated and I was blah, 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 blah. And we, whatever. And we're telling these lies to ourselves and we believe it. And we think, okay, well, that's a good way to act. I can hold on to that unforgiveness. <laughs> I can hold on to that thing. And the Lord's like, no, you can't trust yourself. Get, fire yourself. Fire yourself as your advisor. You are not your advisor. If you have yourself for an attorney, you have a fool for an attorney, right? Fire your fool. Get rid of him. You can't trust him. But you can trust the voice of the Lord. He will never lie to us. And look, even, even when we get things wrong, we have an advocate who pleads our case and gets us back in line. Amen. Why don't you stand? Oh, it's a good day. Yeah, it's a good day, Lord. So the prophetic shifts in the New Testament, right? In the Old Testament, it was a, hey, you're crazy. Go a different direction. Repent. In the New Testament, there's some of that, but it's more this. It's more, this is what the Lord's saying. And because you've heard him for yourself, you're like, that's exactly what he's been telling me. What you just prophesied over me, the Lord's been confirming to me. It's a confirmation that you are hearing his voice. Hello? The prophetic here is to be a confirmation of the things he's telling you or the way he's leading you in your life. You should very rarely get a prophetic word that you're like, I don't know anything about that. It may be for later, but typically prophetic words are confirming that he is writing his words and his law in your hearts right now. 
And it's, it should be encouraging. It should be like, you're hearing him. You're hearing his voice. <laughs> Why don't you pray with me that God would clear up the channels of our, of our hearing. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I fire myself. <laughs> That's my advisor. <laughs> I give that to you, Jesus. You are, you are the shepherd. I am not. I can't even lead myself. But I can follow your voice. You created me to do that. I can do that. Why don't you just invite him? Say, Jesus, be my shepherd. <laughs> yeah. You are the good shepherd. <laughs> and you lead me through gates into pastures where I'm satisfied. Ooh. And my God shall supply all of our needs. Come on. Ooh, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, everything we need is in following your voice, God. God, I pray that the fear of the Lord would stir in this house. The conviction of the Holy Spirit would stir. That your voice becomes preeminent. says that the mount of the Lord will be lifted up and exalted above all mountains. Father, we pray that for your voice, that your voice would be lifted up and exalted above all other voices in our lives. Let's make some space for him in our heart. That's how we're going to finish. We'll pray. If you want prayer at the front, we'll meet you. But for right now, either join me here at the front or pray where you are. And I want you to declutter. We make space. We make room. Come on. We push things out. We remove things. So yeah, we do that now, Father. Show us what stays and what goes. Get involved in the details of our lives. Guide us toward what we should put our energy toward. Come on. We lay aside worthless things. Come on. If you're with me on that, would you just pray that, God, I lay aside these worthless things. And whatever those things that flashed into your mind, give it to him. Yeah. Everything I had, I count as dung that I may have Christ. Come on. 
Come on. Now we ask you to fill the space we just made. Come on, this is the key here. It's not just about making space. It's about him filling it. Father, fill the space of our hearts. Come on, fill the space of our lives. We make room for you. We ask for you to enter in. We open the doors, we open the gates that the King of glory may come in. Come on. just ask him come on in come in holy spirit come live in me come dwell come abide come remain Pray for revival. All right? And uh, let's go for it, okay? I am going to pray from here. I may yell in the mic. I don't know. But I need you to know that I'm hungry for this. And, and this is what we're going after as a church. It's for revival. Nothing less, nothing else will satisfy. Doing church as usual won't cut it. And so we're going to ask God if, if he'll make this one of his dwelling places that we won't be left out. Come on. I know it's a funny term, but I have fear of missing out on revival. I don't want to miss out. I just want to be part of it. So God, we come to you now and we open our hearts. And yes, we recognize our need to repent. And so we've done that and we're doing that now. We're repenting for filling the space with worthless idols and worthless things, things that cannot even bring water, that can't even hold water. We've put money in bags with holes in it. We've put clothes on and we're still cold, God. We've eaten and we're still hungry. We've drank and we're still thirsty. But God, you said if we would drink from you, we would never thirst again. That if we would seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that everything will be added. You said you give us your spirit without measure, God. And God, we open up our hearts so that we can have more of you, God. If there's more, we want more. 
Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and wreck our church, wreck our lives, God. Shake us up. You said that you would shake the heavens and the earth so that the desire of the nations would come. God, I ask that you would continue the shaking that's happening, bringing us back. Come on. Bringing us back to ancient things, God, to ancient truths, to the simplicity of just walking with you, God, and belonging to you. We will be your people. You will be our God. God, we ask that you would show up in our lives, in our daily lives. We ask that your presence would show up in, in signs and wonders and miracles. We ask that you would show up when we seek your face. We, as we read your word, we ask that you would open the word of life to us, that revelation would fill our hearts. We ask you, God, that as we pray, that our prayers are powerful and effective because we're righteous. Father, we ask that the nations will be saved, God. We ask that the nations around us would be saved, that our neighbors would be saved, that they would know that there is a God who sent his son, Jesus, who paid the ultimate price for our freedom. <sighs> Wake up our normal lives, God. You can do whatever you want. Come on. Why don't you pray for your neighbor? Come on, just lay your hand on them and bless them. Pray for f the fire of God to come upon them. Pray for hunger to stir up from inside of them. Stir up our hearts for you, God. Stir up the word in us. We cry out, Maranatha. The Lord comes. The Lord comes. Yeah. Maranatha. Yeah. ask for you to pray these things in your prayer closet, okay? Ask for the Holy Spirit to rest on you like never before. Seek him, read his word, get into his word. You'll hear his voice so clearly when you read this. But Father, I bless everyone here with a new hunger, a greater hunger for your, for your righteousness and for your kingdom. God, I pray that you would cause us to be like Simeon, and like John the Baptist, who's like, 
I've heard a word from the Lord and I'm just going to be where I'm supposed to be doing what you told me to do so that I can see what you said I can see. (laughs) Father, may revival come to every home. Yeah, every home. May revival come. Yeah. And that times of refreshing would come from the Lord. That you would send Jesus. (laughs) Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we will meet you here and pray for you. Thank you for coming out today. We bless you with double blessing. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the day. Hopefully the weather doesn't turn and you get to enjoy your day. For those that have work off tomorrow in school.